Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. Today we're beginning a new series called Prison Break. And we're really believing over the next few weeks that we're going to see some wonderful things happen in each one of our lives and some real freedom in some areas. And so why don't we pray as we begin today? Father, it is great to be together this morning and to worship you, to praise you. And as we begin this new series, Prison Break, Lord, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would move through the messages that we share. We're really believing for a time of favor. We're really believing for your power to be released. And Lord, that you would set us free from anything that holds us down, holds us back. And Lord, we would come into the freedom that you have for each one of us. May we experience a genuine prison break in every area of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. 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 Just a personal story to start out with. Uh, When I was a a teenager in my early teens, I really struggled with insecurity. I had a lot of negative feelings about myself and really lacked a lot of confidence. I'm not sure why, but possibly it was because I was a very tall, lanky redhead who kind of stood out in the crowd. And I had lots of nicknames in those days. People would call me Big Red or Towering Inferno. (laughs) A lot of sympathy from you. You probably would have been calling me that. Uh, And then uh, I lived in America for a little bit uh, during that time and uh, came back to Australia, did year 10 over at Blackburn South High School. And uh, in the 70s, it was then one of the most popular TV programs was Happy Days. Anyone remember Happy Days? The Fonz. And uh, I combed my hair on the side during those days. And so I came to the school and everyone called me Richie. Richie Cunningham, and so that didn't really help my identity crisis either. Uh, Often in class, a teacher would point to me and ask me to read something, and people would turn to me, and my face would go bright red. Uh, Often in youth group, I'd be singing a solo, and my face would be as red as my hair through the whole solo. And uh, I just had a lot of insecurity. And if you would have told me back then I'd one day lead a church and preach to thousands of people every weekend, I would have said, no way. But gradually, over a period of time, God set me free from that prison of insecurity. And I was able to actually come to a place, a place where I realized redheads are actually cool. <laughs> Do I have any redheads here today? Yeah, so, some redheads. See, see, most of the rest of the people are burnt out. We're still on fire. <laughs> still on fire. And so I began to accept myself and come to a place of confidence and a place where I really believe God had something for my life. And God set me free from that prison of insecurity. And, you know, I'm sure if we took time today, there'd be many testimonies of freedom that God's brought in your life, prisons that God has brought you out. And over the next few weeks in our life groups, we'll have some opportunity to share some of those stories. I'm sure also if we were honest today, many of us still have areas of our life where we're still a little bit bound, are still possibly in a prison. There are many things that can hold us captive. Things like anger can lay a hold of our lives and hold us back and hold us down. Bitterness is another thing that imprisons many people. They're so hurting from stuff that's happened in the past, excuse me, but they're not open to the future God has for them. Uh, Discouragement is also a prison. Uh, Just being down over maybe a failure or something that you've never really gotten over. Grief is another thing that often binds people. You know, grief is a normal emotion. Anytime you lose something, if you lose a job, If you lose a friend, if you lose a loved one, or maybe lose an opportunity, then grief comes in. And that's normal. It takes time to work through that. But if you're not careful, you can let that grief become a prison that keeps you captive to that loss, and you never move on to what God has in the future. 
Fear can be a prison. Lust, worry, depression is another common thing that imprisons people. You know, depression has been referred to as the common cold of the emotions. Everyone has times when they have low mood, but sometimes that low mood can just settle in and stay for an extended period, and we feel hopeless, and there's a sense of despair. Uh, other things can include worry, uh, bad habits, a habit you try to break and then you kind of slip back and then you try to break and you slip back and it's almost like a chain that holds you back. Addictions can also be like a prison where we're addicted to various activities or substances. Uh, alcohols doing a lot of damage in our society today. It's really sad to see young people uh, involved in binge drinking and the damage that that does to their lives. No wonder the Bible has so many warnings about drunkenness and uh, encourages us to either abstain from alcohol or if we do drink, to at least drink in moderation because anything that controls us becomes like a prison that damages our lives. And so they're just a few things that can hold us captive, that can keep us in a prison and we're not experiencing the freedom God has for us. But the great news is Jesus comes to free the prisoners. Amen? Jesus comes to free the captives. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4 this morning. Luke chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 14 through to 21. So turn there in your Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible, then have a look up on the screens. We've got those verses there for you. Luke 4 and verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom. Everyone yell freedom. Yell it one more time. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives or the prisoners and the recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened to him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is a very powerful story. Jesus has been in the wilderness for 40 days. He's been fasting. He's overcome the temptations of the devil. He's now full of the Holy Spirit. This is the first sermon he's about to preach as recorded by the Gospel of Luke. And he gets up and he says, the Holy Spirit is upon me. And he begins to declare why he's come. And part of his mission is to bring freedom for the prisoners. Jesus is basically saying, if you're in a prison of any kind, I'm here to lead a prison break and to help you be released from the captivity that the enemy has you in. What what great news it must have been to people who heard him preach that day. You know, Jesus simply came to declare the heart of the Father. All through the Bible, we see that God is a God that wants to set us free from things that would hold us down or hold us back. Let's go back to Exodus 3 just for a few moments. Come on, let's flip over there. Exodus 3, and we're going to read verse 7 to 10. This is the story of Moses. And uh, Moses was out in the wilderness, and suddenly there's this bush that's burning, and he kind of moves over to see what's happening and God speaks to him out of this burning bush. And in Exodus 3 verse 7, this is what God said to Moses. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. 
I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land. Verse 9. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, Moses. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. What a great scripture. What God is saying to Moses is, I have seen my people in Egypt, that they're in a prison and I see them. Not only do I see them, I hear them crying out. Not only do I hear them crying out, I'm concerned about their suffering. I want to rescue them and I'm sending you to deliver them. Isn't that great news that if you're here today and if anything's binding you, if there's any prison in your life, that God sees it, he hears your cry, he is concerned about it, he wants to rescue you and he wants to send a prison break your way so that you can be free. I think that's pretty good news. That's the heart of Father God for every one of us. And this theme flows right through the whole Bible. Let me just give you a few other verses you can write down if you're taking notes. John 8 verses 32. Jesus says this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Verse 36, he says, and if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Another verse you can write down, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. Paul says here, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Wherever God's Spirit turns up, there's freedom. People are coming out of captivity and bondage, and there's freedom in their life. One more, Galatians 5, verse 1. Paul says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So it's very clear throughout the entire Bible that God's will for your life is that you experience freedom, that you come out of any prison, that any chain that's holding you back be broken, and that you experience a prison break in your life. That's God's will. Well, let's get practical now. How does that happen? How do I get out of prisons or things that are holding me captive and out into the freedom God has for me? How does that happen? Sometimes God works instantly. For instance, uh, salvation is an instant miracle. When you recognize that you need a Savior and you admit that you've sinned, that you've done wrong, and you come and you ask God to forgive you, in an instant you are freed from sin, from guilt, from hell and death, and you are translated into the kingdom of God and you become His child. That's an incredible miracle that happens in an instant of time. Many of us here today have experienced that in our lives. And if you haven't, today you're just a decision away of experiencing that instant freedom that comes at salvation. But you'll find that most other freeing in our lives is not always instant. There's usually a process that takes time. And there's a journey that involves a number of steps. Let me illustrate this. Let's go to Moses. We just heard that great will of God that his people be free. How many know that Israel was not freed out of Egypt in an instant. It took some time. There was this tug of war. Pharaoh didn't want Israel to go. And so there were 10 plagues. There's a temptation for Moses to compromise a number of times. Things got worse before it got better. It was a long struggle before Israel got out of Egypt into the freedom God had for them. It's the same with Joshua. Uh, God gave Joshua a promise that everywhere that they placed their foot, God would give them the land. But did that happen in a moment? 
No, it took a lot of time to get into the land, to defeat the 31 kings that were there. What was theirs legally had to become theirs in reality through possessing the land step by step. It was a process for them to enter into the promises of God. Same with your Christian life. Although salvation occurs in an instant, and although one day when Jesus comes back, we'll be glorified in an instant and sin will be eradicated from our lives and in the world. In between, there's this process called sanctification. How many have discovered that that doesn't happen in an instant? Have you noticed? It takes a, a little while to become like Jesus, to put off the old habits, to put on new habits, to become like Christ is a process that takes time. And that's just the way God set up the world. Every part of life involves processes of change. Take agriculture. If you want to go home today and you decide you want to eat an apple for lunch, how many know if you go in your backyard and look for an apple and you haven't planted an apple tree and nurtured it, then the apple's not going to be there. I know it's really deep for a Sunday morning. If you want to reap the apple, you've got to plant the apple seed, have it die, work through the seasons, cultivate it. You've got to sow before you reap. If you buy an apple at the grocery today, you're only going to get one because someone else did all that work for you. You've got to go through the process. Uh, If you're a married couple here today and you decide you want to have children, the baby's not going to be there tomorrow. It's not like, bang, five minutes, there's the baby. There's this nine-month process of uh, morning sickness and stretching and kicking and pain. And all the women said, amen. And then with the men cheering on, there's the baby. (laughs) But you you can't avoid the nine months. You can have the dream and the plan and all the aspirations, but you've got to go through the process. It's the same with habits. You could decide today, I'm going to start a new habit. Uh, psychologists will tell you it takes 21 days to establish a new habit till it's automatic in your life. Years ago when I was involved in music, I had a friend who played the flute and she'd played for numbers of years and then she went to a new teacher who was an outstanding flute player. She discovered that the way she was holding her mouth, her embouchure was wrong. And so at this flute lesson, she was taught the proper way to hold her mouth. Now, did she change the next day? It took many months for her to unlearn the way she had played for many years and to develop a new habit. See, God has just set up this process of change that takes time. Caterpillar. Caterpillar wants to become a butterfly. How does that happen? Just by singing, I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. Is that how it happens? No. That caterpillar's got to get in that cocoon and there's some darkness and there's some struggle and over time this butterfly emerges. Now let's be honest, I wish God would eliminate this middle stuff because it's frustrating, it's annoying. I'd rather go bang, bang. Freedom, freedom, just like that. But you know what? God has a purpose in the process. See, God is more interested in your character than your comfort. Everyone say, ouch. See, it's in the process that we grow, that we mature, that we change. And if you break open that cocoon and say to the caterpillar, I'm going to help you, you'll actually destroy the beautiful butterfly that God is in the process of making. And so God wants freedom in every area of our life. But sometimes us 
moving towards freedom, more often than not, it involves a process that takes time. We've got to watch that we don't get discouraged and give up on our faith for full freedom. Not only is freedom a process, freedom is also a partnership between God and us. It's God's work and it's our work. And we've got to balance those out. If we just rely on God, we can sit in our prison and say, okay, God, free me. And it's probably not going to happen. Or we can take it on ourselves and I'm going to free myself. But without God's power, you'll probably never be free. It's God and us working together. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2. One of my favorite scriptures, Philippians 2 and verse 12. Where's Philippians? There we go. Philippians 2 verse 12 and 13. Paul says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out. Everyone say work out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in. Everyone say, works in. It's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. This is how God works in our lives. He works in us by his spirit. He's the one that opens the door. He's got the power to break the chains. He works in us. Without him working, we're never going to be free. But we've got to also work out. We've got to walk out of that prison. We've got to take some steps and cooperate with God to enter into the freedom he has for us. Let me just in our next few minutes share with you five movements that we need to make to cooperate with God to get out of any prison that may be holding us captive. Number one, the first movement is a movement from denial to confession. A movement from denial to confession. If you deny that you're even in a prison, you'll never be free. Alcoholics Anonymous has been helping people get free from alcohol addiction for many, many years now. And they have 12 steps. And the first step when people join that group is they have to admit, I'm an alcoholic. See, because if you deny you even have a problem, you'll never be free. Freedom starts from moving out of denial to confessing, I need some help. And that can be pretty humbling. But you know what? If you've got an anger problem, and if you never actually admit you've got an anger problem, you'll never be free from that. It starts by moving from denial into confessing, Lord, I need some help. The second movement is moving from excuses to responsibility. Moving from excuses to responsibility. At the men's event, how many came to Redline? Guys, Redline? Yes. One of the messages I gave was called Boys to Men. And we took the scripture from 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul said, when I was a child, a boy, I thought like a child, acted like a child, reasoned like a child. When I became a man, when I became mature, I put away childish things. And one of the childish things is we tend to make excuses. We tend to blame others rather than take responsibility for our life. And sometimes we're in, when we're in a prison, instead of taking responsibility to get out of that prison, we blame other people for putting us in the prison. Sometimes we're in a prison of bitterness and we say, well, you don't know what they did. They said this. They hurt me. And although people do influence the prisons that we can end up in, we are responsible for how we respond to what they've done and to what we're going to do about it. And if you stay in the land of excuses, you'll never be free. We've got to move from not only denial, but from excuses to taking responsibility. I may be in a prison. Maybe others have contributed to that, but it's now my responsibility to decide, am I going to stay in that prison or am I going to move out? We've got to move to responsibility. Thirdly, third movement 
is we've got to move from independence towards community. And this is a difficult one. We live in a world where self-help is the go of the day. Go into any bookshop and you'll find a section of self-help. Seven keys to this, three ways to do this. It's all about how you by yourself can fix your life. And there's some merit in that. But could I suggest to you that a lot of the freedom and the change that God wants to bring about in our life, we won't be able to achieve by ourselves. We need others in community to help us get free. Let me say, where's that in the Bible? Thanks for asking. James 5 and verse 16 says this. James 5 verse 16 says, Confess your faults to one another, pray for one another, and then you will be healed. How would you like to obey that scripture this morning? We just grabbed the microphone. We'd like to all confess our faults. Who's going to be first? How many know that's a little bit uncomfortable? See, the way we live our Christian life is probably the opposite of that scripture. We live our life like this. Don't tell anyone you've got any faults. Work on them by yourself and then no one will ever know you had a problem. That's the opposite of what James says. James says, if you're in a prison, if you're struggling, if you've got a fault, how about you confess it to some friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. Have them pray for you. And the prayer of those in community with you will be part of your healing and release. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? That's why we need to be in community. That's why we have small groups. And there's nothing better than saying to some trusted friends, you know what, I'm really struggling in this area. Could you pray with me? Hey, I'm really battling in this area. There's something powerful when others help us break through to freedom. See, other people provide support for us, encouragement for us, feedback for us, counsel Maybe you're in a real prison of depression that's just been lingering for a long time. Maybe it's going and speaking to a mature Christian or one of our counselors saying, hey, could you help me? Sometimes we need other people to help us out of our prison. Fourth movement is moving from complacency towards desperation. What do I mean by that? The real question is, do you want to be free? One day a blind man came up to Jesus and Jesus said, what would you like me to do for you? It's kind of a funny question, isn't it? It's like, duh, he's blind. Jesus didn't assume that the blind man really wanted to see. See, sometimes we get comfortable in our prison. Sometimes our prison becomes our home. And it's our security. In fact, it can define who we are. And so if we're going to be free, we have to move from the comfort and complacency of what's been binding us and come to a place of desperation. Lord, I want to see with the realization of all the change that that will require once that freedom happens in our life. And then fifthly, the fifth movement is moving from lethargy to vigilance. Lethargy to vigilance. See, we're actually in a spiritual battle. Not only does God want freedom in our lives, the enemy wants to keep us captive. And so we have to be regularly on guard and vigilant and watchful that we don't fall back into the captivity that we've been set free from. Every one of us in the room today are only one decision away from a major disaster in our life. One decision. And so we must not be lethargic. We must have a sense of alertness and vigilance that we would keep the freedom that God has for each one of us. And so God 
wants a prison break in every one of our lives. He wants us free from any prison that the enemy may be holding us in. That's going to happen through a process of time. It's a partnership between God and us. And we have to be willing to move from denial to to admitting, God, I need some help in this area. Move from excuses and blaming others to say, okay, I'm now responsible for what I do about this area. Moving from trying to do it all by myself to I need some other people to help me. Moving from... uh, What's number four? Complacency. Thank you. Just checking. From complacency into desperation. I really want to change. And they're moving from lethargy to vigilance where we're really on guard to guard our freedom. Now, just in our next couple of minutes, I want to give a couple of opportunities for you to respond to two things. Number one, I really trust as we've been introducing this series today that maybe already God's been highlighting an area in your life. Maybe one of the areas I mentioned or maybe a different area has come to your mind and the Holy Spirit's making you aware, hey, there's something that's holding you back. There's something that's holding you captive. And I'm praying today that you'll respond to the Holy Spirit by saying, God, I really want to be free in this area. That you'll put a stake in the ground and say, Lord, I really want a prison break in this area in my life. And I'd like to be able to pray with you and agree with you today that from this moment on, God will begin to bring freedom to your life in that area. The second group of people is, I believe there's some people here today, and you've never experienced the miracle of salvation. You've never had that moment in time where you've experienced the freedom from the guilt of your sin and pain of your past and become a child of God. I'd love the opportunity to pray with you also this morning. So why don't we just close our eyes just for a few minutes. I'll get you to do that just so that you're not distracted by those around about you. The worship team's going to come forward quietly, but let's just keep our eyes closed and think about your own life and your own heart in these next few minutes. The first group, I'm not going to call anyone forward today. I just want to pray with you in your seat this morning. But uh, I want to pray for every person that you believe the Holy Spirit has highlighted a prison or an area where the enemy has you captive at the moment. It could be insecurity like I went through. It could be anger. It could be uh, bitterness. It could be a habit. It could be an addiction. It could be um, worry. It could be any area, but it's some area where you're not totally free. And what I'm going to ask you to do in a moment is simply to lift your hand up. I don't want to know the area. You don't need to come forward. But by lifting your hand up, you're simply saying, Lord, you got my attention today. And I really want to be free in this area. It's between you and God. And I'm going to pray a prayer with you today that God would begin bringing a work of breakthrough in your life. And so let's just close our eyes right now. And uh, I'm going to ask you to respond just simply by lifting your hand up. Go ahead and do that right now. If you know God's spoken an error to you, just lift your hand up. Hands going up all across the building, up in the balcony. God bless you. That takes some courage, some honesty. That's it. Lift your hand up and then put it down. And uh, then I'm going to pray with you. Anyone else? Just just lifting your hand up. You're just saying, Lord, uh, uh, you've you've highlighted an area and I want to be free in this area. And, And I'm putting a stake in the ground today. I want to break through. God bless you. More hands going up all over the building. God bless you for your honesty and courage up in the balcony, hands everywhere. Let me pray with you now. In fact, come on, let's all pray. Father, today, we receive your word today that your will is that we experience freedom in every area of our life. You want a prison break 
for every person here today. And Lord, every hand represents a person that you love. You see their prison. You hear their cry. You're concerned for them. You want to rescue them and you want to free them today. And Lord, I'm praying today, Lord, that you will partner with them. And Lord, you will do what they cannot do. You will break chains. You will open doors. And as they do what they can do by making a number of steps that we've talked about today, I'm believing that from this moment forward, there will be breakthrough in their life. And over the days and weeks to come, they will move into full freedom in this area. And we'll be sure to give you praise and honor and glory today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, just thank the Lord for that right now. Thank the Lord for the victory. God, we thank you for the victory, Lord. This message is based on one chapter from my book, Prison Break, Finding Personal Freedom. It's available from amazon.com and word.com.au. God bless you.